It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, local experts on the biggest stories. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's our 385th episode. Sam Ekstrom, writer at ZoneCoverage.com, former quarterback Sage Rosenfels. He's on Twitter at SageRosenfels18. I'm at, at Sam Ekstrom. And uh, before we get to football talk, Sage, something that we want to mention. I don't know if you can hear this or not, but we've got some celebratory music to play for you. Happy birthday, my friend, age 40. Oh, thank you. Yep, all downhill from here, which means uh, I guess things will get easier, I guess. I don't know. But, uh, yep, I am 40 years old as of yesterday, and we shall see where life goes from here in the, in the second half. Hopefully it's just like late second quarter, mid to late second quarter of my life, not even quite halftime yet. Right. I guess we shall see. Well, when you look at the way that at- – Athletes are playing still, you know, beyond age 40. I think you, you've got a lot of good athletic years left. You don't have to stop skiing. You can, you know, maybe shoot some hoops, lift some weights now and then. It doesn't have to be over for you. I mean, Vince Carter is like doing 360 dunks and he's 42 years old or whatever. You've got a lot of good years ahead, man. It really does baffle me. When I was 31, it was 2000, 2009, the Favre year with the Vikings. And, uh, and Favre was turning 40 that year. And I just remember I couldn't imagine that taking the hits that he took uh, and even making the plays that, that he was making that season, you know, nine years from where I was at that point. And uh, I ended up retiring about four years later. But I just, uh, I, you know, I saw Drew Brees in the locker room after that playoff game last year, and he was getting ready. And I was just like, man, he is ripped to shreds. And it's just uh, incredible how these guys keep themselves in shape for such a long period of time, in particular in your late 30s, when it gets harder and harder to keep your body, uh, you know, feeling like it's, you know, 25 years old and Favre and Breeze both did that. We probably don't give guys like Breeze and Brady enough credit for being as ripped as they are because they're, they're surrounded by super, super freaks, and they are just super freaks, and they probably sort of pale in comparison to some of those guys, but that's how they have sustained their careers. It's probably their off-season regimen as much as anything yeah off season and in season and uh, you know you look at the other most other 40 year olds around they're just not in the type of shape that these guys are in and, and then you know they might look like they're in great shape you know you got the guys weight lifting weights at at the workout place or whatever but there's no way they, they're moving around and the flexibility and those types of things of guys like breeze and brady who are playing out into their 40s and uh and 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 then you have guys who are still really athletic and they ride bikes and they have great endurance but they're no way as strong uh as these guys who are you know somehow uh preventing you know time from catching up to them so you know we'll see how many years breeze plays the, the guy is incredible I, i've been out to california in the off season where he does his off season workout stuff and uh you know why he's in great shape he is very very disciplined in what he does every single day and and uh he's not scared of the work so i, th- I think he really enjoys the process uh, every offseason, I'm being out in San Diego and 
and getting ready for the OTAs back in New Orleans. Yeah. So speaking of 40-year-olds, I know we talked about the secondary last show, but I don't know if I asked you this directly. Newman turns 40 on September 4th, so the season will start. He'll be 40 years old. Would you prefer Newman over a guy like Alexander uh, at this point? You know, I, I like what Alexander does because he's sort of multifaceted. I mean, he's a guy that could sort of play a little more safety and is a little stronger, maybe, maybe a better tackler. Uh, I'm not sure if he's better being just a chaser, but, you know, I, I think it's about time to get a little bit younger. You know, at some point, uh, you know, when you're a secondary player, player, you have to chase a lot. You have to be extremely athletic. And I just think Newman is, has just lost that, that enough of a step uh, where I think maybe trying to find some somebody else to replace him, whether it's in the slot or on third downs, would be a good move by the Vikings. And I think Alexander is one of those guys with, that has incredible athleticism and natural talent. Just needs to put the whole thing together. I do wonder whether it's taken any emotional toll on, and, and that's that's kind of a strong way to put it, emotional toll. But with Waynes and Alexander, they've, I think they both expected to be playing in a more permanent capacity a long time ago, and Newman just keeps hanging around and hanging around. I wonder if it's been beneficial or detrimental to them to have somebody that won't go away. I think he's beneficial in terms of a teacher, but do you think it's been good for their development to have him around? Oh, absolutely. You see how guys uh, prepare as they get older and you know how they come to work every single day. I promise you, Terrence Newman is not going to be lazy. He's not going to you know, be sleeping in the back of meetings. He's the total pro. And uh, you know anybody in the NFL who's playing, in particular, like those DBs where you can play for a long time, you know they they love to make all that money and, and play for 15, 17, 18 years. And uh, and so it's nice to sort of have somebody in that room you're looking up to every single day, going, "Well, this is how you do it." You know, I bet you Terrence Newman comes to every single OTA like it's the first day of training camp. Uh, you know, it's really important and and trying to be precise all the time and just do the right things all the time. I know a lot of coaches love players and love these veterans like Newman who just every single play just sort of do the right things all the time. We're always in the right position. Uh, you know, when there's some sort of mistake somewhere else, they figure it out and they adjust. They're just always in the right position all the time. And uh, you can really count on them and depend on them. And guys like Mike Zimmer love that. All right. Time for our daily Kirk Cousins update. The last time we talked to you, I don't think we had yet seen the three-year $90 million offer, allegedly, on the table to Kirk Cousins. And it seems more and more like a done deal to Minnesota every day. It's like other teams aren't even bothering to, to put themselves in the conversation anymore. This could very well be happening. Three years, $90 million. A lot of money. Shorter term, your thoughts? Well, it's a, it's a, there's a lot of things that go into this. Uh, I, you know, you could say it's a rumor. No one's going to confirm it yet. But uh, you know, one, the entire contract is guaranteed, and this is something that uh, you know the NFL Players Association and I'm sure a lot of agents have been trying to get done is to have you know fully guaranteed contracts like they do in baseball and, and basketball and other sports. You know, the issue with that is. Uh, you know, you have to probably have shorter deals because of the injury issues with football. You know, it's not like a pitcher in baseball who can, you know, sort of pitch forever. So that's probably one year. It's only a three-year deal. And my guess is that Cousins has just gotten used to, you know, sort of playing on these one-year deals. And, you know, I get basically paid next year based off of how well I do this year. And so this time that three-year deal. And, uh, you know, if he plays really well, He'll get another contract, you know, another contract or two big ones after that. So I, I think it's a good deal for everyone involved. The Vikings can get him. I do think he is an upgrade uh, on Case Keenum, and I really love Case, but I do think 
uh, Cousins is an upgrade. He's a guy that I feel like if the Vikings are down in situations and, and obvious passing downs, he's just got a little more zip on the ball, a little more accuracy, uh, a little more experience uh, to be able to carry his team, uh, you know, down the fourth quarter by 10 points or something like that. So um, yeah, it'd be a huge move for the Vikings. And, you know, Rick Spielman has been trying to find a quarterback pretty much since he's gotten in Minnesota. You know, they had sort of Favre had a great year in 2009, but other than that, they just haven't had you know, great quarterback play, and he's still looking. And, and Cousins, obviously, is the biggest name out there and really looks like uh, you know they may have a chance to get him here. Very, very strong chance, it seems like, that Kirk Cousins will be a Viking. And that would be then week one quarterbacks. Back Go back to 2013, Ponder. 2014, Castle, and then into Bridgewater in 2015. Then, I guess, Sean Hill the year after that. And then Bradford last year. So that would be six years with a different week one quarterback in a row for this franchise. That's that's astonishing. Yeah, and what's astonishing is they've they've been winning in a lot of those seasons. Not all of them, but they definitely had a lot of seasons in there where they were winning despite the fact they didn't have a great quarterback. I mean, Christian Ponder at the end of the day – uh, had a you know had a, he was on a team that won ten football games and they went to the playoffs uh, it was at 2012 I believe so uh, yeah they have missed a lot and this even goes back to you know early Brad Childers days uh, where they were you know bringing in Kelly Holcomb bringing in Brooks Bullinger bringing in me uh, you know for you know for guys are getting traded for all types of things and just trying to find that guy and they just sort of you know missed and missed and missed now they're gonna they're 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 paying they're paying a lot of money for it but they're getting a guy who legitimately is, a, a, I believe, a top 15 quarterback. He's going to be a good player. He's a franchise guy. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's a big move, but uh, I, I think that they need to get this move done first and then see, you know, what, what they want to do in free agency, what they want to do uh, with drafting players, what the roller holes are. But this was the most important uh, you know, hole they needed to fill this offseason. Hi, this is David Locke, the CEO of the Locked On Podcast Network. In this crazy, unprecedented, and unnerving time, I know we're all living our lives a little differently. I thought we had some of our sponsors over the time that might be able to help you out. So we've reached out to them to get you specific offers. Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for their first seven days. Start your free deliveries, download the Postmates app, and use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. Anxiety, stress, need something to calm yourself down? The Calm app is available for you. 40% off to our listeners at calm.com slash NBA. Stuck at home? Want fitness? Echelon Fit has been a sponsor of ours. And you can go to echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A. And if you're looking to add some new knowledge and get a little smarter in your free time, Masterclass, or at least your time at home, masterclass.com slash P-E-R is offering 15% off. If you missed any of those, go to lockdownpodcast.com slash offers. That's lockdownpodcast.com slash offers. Thank you very much for tuning in to Lockdown Podcast Network. We hope to be here for you to give you a relief and uh, respite from all the other news. And thanks very much. Be safe and practice your social distancing. Speaking of quarterbacks, I want to talk about some of these top-tier NFL draft quarterback prospects. This is your area of expertise, obviously. You've got a good eye for these things. We've alluded to the big four, Josh Rosen, Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, and Baker Mayfield. And a lot of people thinking these guys could be off the board by, like, pick 12, all of them. So I ask you this. College football sort of has an epidemic with lack of defense, particularly in Big 12, Pac-12, There's not a lot of D being played. So these numbers are 
astounding, like well over 300 yards per game for most of these guys. But again, you have to take that with a grain of salt. Is there, I guess, a, a stat or, or some kind of criteria that you would look at for a college quarterback to, to say, okay, this shows me that this guy is a cut above the rest? No, and it's it's hard in college with stats. I hate looking at college quarterback stats. I mean, you know, the, the Texas Tech quarterbacks throw for 450, 500 yards every game, and they'll they'll have games where they throw for 600 yards. And it's you know what what the how these offenses are designed, and, and the quick throws, and the wide receiver screens, and the bubble screens, uh, and all the little shallow routes. I mean, you, you only can do so much of that in the NFL. So. You really do have to. That, that's that's the challenge for GMs and, and head coaches now. Is you got to see how what how does their uh, abilities uh, relate to what teams do in the NFL or what you know our team does in the NFL. And so you, if you just are looking at stats and all the things they do, I think that's where you get caught. You know, with with players who are in a certain system who have just you know unbelievable players behind. I mean, Oklahoma. Now I'm an Iowa State guy. They, their quarterbacks a lot of times put up you know huge numbers. Jason White won the Heisman Trophy and wasn't even invited to an NFL camp. He just didn't have he, – he wasn't a guy that looked like he could make those NFL throws, didn't have the arm, he'd had bad knees, but he won the Heisman Trophy with just insane college stats. Uh, but I think you have to look at, you know, stats are important and they're good, but I think you really have to look at, like, how does their game – uh, uh, relate uh, uh, and cross over to the NFL game. You know, can they make certain throws? How do they move? Just how? What is their uh, you know sort of aura that they have around them? Uh, you know, with leadership and things like that. So uh, I think they're looking at what is their potential, unless like you know what what are the numbers that they put up in college? Well, it's interesting because Josh Allen probably had the worst career of the four. Like he two years as a starter. And these aren't bad, but they're not Mayfield, Rosen, Darnold-like. 44 touchdowns, 21 picks for Allen. You know, last year, he only threw for less than 200 yards a game. 11 games, you know, 1,800 yards. But I think he might have been from probably the most pro-style offense at Wyoming. And he's also got the biggest build, six foot five, 233, big arm. People love the intangibles of Allen, and he comes from kind of that sneaky small school where it's a little bit more difficult to judge him because of the level of competition. What are your thoughts on Josh Allen? Well, a couple things. You know, he, you know, people get excited about Josh Allen, and they, I think, a lot of people think about Carson Wentz, and they, you know, they played for the same college. The North Dakota State coach that Carson Wentz played for went to Wyoming, and then has been with Josh Allen for the last few years. Uh, his team, his receivers, and his weapons were better two years ago. So he put up really big numbers, and that's where everyone was like, wow, who is this kid from Wyoming who had gone to a, a junior college because no one was interested in him? Uh, and this past year, he did not have a, a nearly as good a season. He had lost a lot of those weapons, and, and I don't think he played as well. But uh, people get excited because just based off of his ceiling, and I think of the four quarterbacks, he is the highest ceiling. Uh, but there's also the, a lot of question marks, uh, you know, with that. So um, he's extremely athletic. He, he ran about a, he's six five, ran about a four seven, I think. Has a huge arm. I mean, throws it. I think probably is the best, uh, uh, just biggest arm and, and uh, best athlete of all these these quarterbacks. So there's a big ceiling there, but there's also a lot of question marks. He's just sort of one of those like raw talents of like, can we hone him in? Can his accuracy get better? 
Uh, you know, he missed a lot of the throws last year, uh, supposedly. So um, I think he's got the biggest potential, but he also sort of has that, like, well, if he ends up being a bust, that wouldn't be a surprising thing either. So it's sort of risk-reward with Josh Allen. For sure. And then Baker Mayfield, he might be one of the more – controversial figures I guess and people I think mistakenly want to compare him to Johnny Manziel because he's shorter and because he has kind of a big personality that's basically the only the only criteria but he's a Heisman Trophy winner two-time Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year actually went from Texas Tech to Oklahoma and then spent three years with the Sooners 4,600 yards 43 touchdowns six picks last year what do you think about Mayfield? I actually think Mayfield's much better than what Johnny Manziel was when he was coming out. I mean, Baker Mayfield has a huge arm. Uh, he's a much stronger player uh, in, in the sense of just a stronger athlete. And, uh, my, my, you know, my biggest concern is, you know, the way he sort of acts on the field. I love guys that play with passion, but, you know, pretty obvious he sort of brings it over that, the line and, and uh, was doing a lot of things the last couple of years. He got in trouble, obviously, running from the cops. Uh, you know, last year, last offseason, I believe. So, you know, there's some history there, and there's some risk there as well. He's a really good football player, um, but I always get worried that these guys who are trying to run around and make a lot of plays, it's hard to do that in the NFL, and it's hard to, uh, you know, just, just you know run around and be sort of a playmaker. You don't see a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL who are just playmakers, and you know, Russell Wilson's a guy that's a great playmaker, but first and foremost, he's a great pocket passer, and then he can make plays. And my question is, you know, is he a good enough pocket passer? Can he be, you know, accurate like Drew Brees and really have the fine-tuned skills? Because you just don't get away with, you know, all that sort of playmaking type stuff uh, against these NFL defenses, linebackers, defensive ends. And I'm looking at his rushing stats here, you know, throughout college, and he really probably wasn't as much of a runner as people want to think. You know, he played in 48 games, and he rushed for about 1,083 yards. That translates to about 20, 25 rush yards a game. He's not Lamar Jackson. You know, Lamar Jackson is legitimately a running quarterback who can rush for 150. Uh, that wasn't Mayfield. So, again, comes back to Big 12, not much defense, bigger numbers, maybe a little overinflated. He's probably more of a passer than people give him credit for. And then you've got the two Pac-12 quarterbacks, the Josh Rosen and the Sam Darnold. Two schools, UCLA and USC, that seem to develop quarterbacks unlike any other school. Do you have a clean opinion between those two guys? Well, so my thoughts on Josh Rosen are this. I, I think that Josh Rosen um, is probably the guy that you know the most about, in a sense. Like, I don't think he's going to come in and blow a team away and, and turn in next thing you know he's Aaron Rodgers or, or Phillip Rivers. I think he's sort of like Kirk Cousins. I think he's a guy that's like, okay, we know where he's going to be. He's got a good arm. He's accurate. He's smart. He's going to do a lot of the right things. He's going to be a good football player. I think I think uh, Rosen's going to be a good NFL quarterback. I just don't think he's got that big ceiling, right? So he doesn't have like the top end uh, uh, possibilities with being a all pro player. I don't think, but I think it's you sort of like you know what you're going to get in in, in Josh Rosen more than all the other quarterbacks. And he and Darnold are basically the same build. They're both 6'4". They're both 220. Darnold played two years in college. Rosen played three. The concern with Darnold this, uh, the last year or two has been his turnovers. That's the, you know, again, you look at stats and you go, man, he's had, if he had like 20-some turnovers just last year with fumbles and interceptions. So he also sort of like Mayfield, he likes to run around and make plays. He's really good at it. He's got a really good arm. 
Um, but um, he doesn't have a huge arm, and again, those turnovers you know, are a problem. You know, do, do you get away with being sort of a playmaking type guy uh, in the NFL? I, I don't know if he's that good of an athlete. But uh, And I actually get worried you know, if he gets drafted to a team say like the New York Jets or the Buffalo Bills or a, you know, a team up, up in the north, I, I, you know, I, the, these guys are playing in Los Angeles in, in the Pac-12 conference. They're not you, – you look at uh, uh, Sam Darnold's the ball he threw in college. It was always just always really worn out football. And uh, the reason you usually do that is because you struggle to throw a, n- a newer football. Uh, and uh, usually if you, you, you struggle with that, you then struggle to throw an NFL football. So I even look at those little things of, you know, what type of ball do they use in college? And Sam Darnold used a, used a very old football. That actually concerns me. Interesting. That, that's good intel. I could see all four of these guys getting rumored to be the top quarterback taken and then kind of falling for one reason or another. I think pro days are coming up. Uh, there's going to be a bunch of shuffling between the four. It's kind of fun that there's not a clear-cut number one that'll only increase the intrigue leading up to the draft, which is less than two months away. Sage, again, belated happy birthday, and we'll talk to you again on Friday, and we'll see what we have in store then. Sounds good. I'm looking forward to it. All right. He's Sage Rosenfels. He's on Twitter, at Sage Rosenfels 18. My name's Sam Ekstrom. Listen to the show at LockedOnVikings.com. A fan reg sports affiliate. Thanks a lot, everybody. Talk to you soon. Hey, sports fans. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves, the Minnesota Timberwolves podcast on the Locked On NBA Network. The Wolves might be in the middle of what's turned out to be a pretty miserable season, but there's still plenty to talk about. From the aftermath of the trade deadline to looking ahead at what moves Gerson Rosas and the front office might be planning for the summer to the possibility that all-star snub Carl Anthony Towns could go off on any given night, it's still going to be a fun spring. Tune into Locked on Wolves daily, Monday through Friday. I'm Ben Beacon with Locked on Wolves, and we'll catch you next time.